4: Hey, this is Julie Douglas from the podcast The Stuff of Life here to tell you that super producer Noel Brown and I are cooking up season two for an August release. So if you haven't already checked out season one of The Stuff of Life, there's a big bowl of 10 episodes ready for you to dig into on iTunes or wherever you get your delicious podcast takeout from. In the meantime, apply sunscreen liberally and we'll see you in August. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host, Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous developments we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, a crowdfunded project is designing drones to dismantle landmines. And, super unrelated, An artist has plans to use deceased fashion designer Alexander McQueen's DNA to grow human skin in the lab and then make it into leather goods. Leather goods plus a political statement, really. But first, senior writer Jonathan Strickland explains how a team of engineers have built the acoustic equivalent of Lego blocks. These small interlocking pieces can physically change sound and even encode information in it.
3: The engineers come from MIT, Columbia University, and Disney Research. they designed interconnecting 3D printed blocks that can dramatically change sounds. The small cubes have connectors on each of the six faces. Those connectors can be opened to other cubes or closed off, depending upon what you want to do. You connect a bunch of these blocks together and fit them inside an arbitrarily shaped 3D printed instrument. With a particular configuration of blocks, you can dampen sounds you don't like. Or with a different combination, you can emphasize sounds in a range of frequencies. Or you can even build your own hippo bugle and play the Imperial March from Star Wars on it. I know, because they did that thing. And it was awesome. In late July, the team will present their findings at SIGGRAPH 2016, a conference for digital graphics and interactive design. Their paper has the zingy title of Acoustic Voxels, Computational Optimization of Modular Acoustic Filters. The boxes are the modular acoustic filters, aka voxels. So how does it work? Well, sound is vibration that moves through matter. By making changes to the medium through which the sound travels, you can change the nature of that sound. Take a guitar string, for example. Pressing down on a string between frets changes the length of the string, which changes the string's number of vibrations per second, also known as its frequency. We perceive sounds with a higher frequency as having a higher pitch. The interconnection of voxels changes sound in a similar way as it passes through the system. Some filters can muffle certain frequencies, while some boost others. There are no moving parts and no need for electricity. It's a purely physical phenomenon. With this technology, you could also create a type of acoustic tagging for products, kind of like a sound-based QR code. The engineers demonstrated this with 3D-printed octopuses. I love these guys. Each octopus had a slightly different configuration of voxels inside it. An app on a smartphone generated a specific noise. Holding the phone's speaker against one of the octopuses, the noise traveled through the boxes inside and came out with a different tone. The phone's mic picked up the new sound and the app identified the octopus. The app could identify different cephalopods by their unique sounds. Ultimately, I think this simple technology's most important use will be to allow for an entire hippo orchestra to play the music of John Williams. I dream of that day. I dream of it a lot.
4: Next up, Holly Fry, co-host of our Stuff You Missed in History class podcast, brings us the story of life-saving drones. The technology has a little bit of a bad rap because of the public's understandable concerns about privacy and air safety, but a team is hoping to use it to eradicate landmines all over the world within the next 10 years.
1: A group working out of the Netherlands is developing a landmine-sweeping drone. Despite ongoing global efforts to ban anti-personnel landmines, they're still used in a lot of countries. They've been a common part of warfare since the 1930s, but when wars and conflicts end, it's not as though those explosive devices just evaporate. They remain underground and unmarked, ready to detonate. In 2014, there were a total of 3,678 recorded landmine detonations, and those are just the ones we know about. Nearly 80% of those who were injured or killed in those blasts were civilians, and nearly 40% of those civilians were children. In recent news, even the wildly popular Pokemon Go game has been affected. Players in Bosnia have been warned about mines that were left over from conflicts in the 1990s. Getting rid of all that ordinance is no small task, and it's dangerous. Current methods of removal involve sniffer animals, human deminers with metal detectors, or large detonation vehicles. And those methods can be slow and costly, and they come with a high risk. Enter the mine-sweeping drone. Now, this isn't the first time project founder Masood Hassani and his team have built a robot to get rid of landmines. In 2013, they created a device called Mine Cafone. It's sort of like a robotic tumbleweed. It rolls through minefields, and when it finds a mine, it blows up both itself and the mine. Now, the MinekaPhone team has developed a drone-based mine eradicator that will further reduce both the cost and the risk of demining. It uses a series of modular robotic attachments that can be interchanged. So first, the minecophone drone uses a mapping system attachment to make a 3D map of the entire designated area. And then, a metal detector is attached to it, and it uses that plus GPS to locate and identify mine locations. And then in the final step, that metal detector is swapped out for a robotic gripping arm, which carefully places detonators on the identified mines. The mines are then triggered and eliminated, and the drone can move on to its next location. Right now, the Mine Foundation is running a Kickstarter so they can finish development and start testing the technology in the field. The project is incredibly ambitious. Hassani has a goal to eradicate all of the mines on the planet in the space of just 10 years. But according to the Kickstarter pitch, this method is 20 times faster at ferreting out and detonating mines and at a cost 200 times cheaper than existing technologies.
4: Finally this week, senior writer Robert Lamb finally found a story that grossed me out. An artist by the name of Tina Gorjank has proposed growing human leather from a sample of Alexander McQueen's DNA. She wants to make it into bags and leatherware and, more importantly, raise awareness about the potential for lab-grown leather and raise questions about genetic ownership rights.
2: Jenk's project at London's Central St. Martin's Fashion School revolves around the creation of a very special sort of leather. Instead of harvesting it from a cow or other non-human animal, she plans to grow the skin of deceased fashion designer Alexander McQueen and make it into handbags and jackets. Flesh-colored items that will feature McQueen's distinguishing marks and tattoos. The starting point for this grisly glam fashion venture is a sample of McQueen's own hair, used in his 1992 silk coat titled Jack the Ripper Stalks His Victims. See, he probably would have dug the project. The DNA will be manipulated and grown out into skin, tanned, and finally processed into human leather. The technology here emerges from the realm of synthetic biology, an exciting area of biotechnology that has already led to the creation of lab-grown skin grafts and synthetic organs. The ultimate possibilities are truly transhumanist in nature, entailing everything from engineered disease immunity to enhanced longevity. But cutting-edge science sometimes outpaces our ability to understand all the ramifications, and that's where art enters the picture. Gorjank hopes to push the notion of sustainable, slaughter-free, lab-grown leather, but the project is also about the lack of rights concerning our own genetic information. See, the project here is unapproved by either McQueen's family or fashion brand. She snagged the DNA from a hair sample and has already filed a patent for the resulting leather material based on its singular source and creation process. As bioethicist Glenn Cohen pointed out on the website Quartz, the UK and United States afford little or no ownership protection to abandoned tissues. A wizard can come along, stuff a voodoo doll full of your hair clippings, and there's nothing you can do about it. The same potentially goes for real world cloning and synthetic tissue growth. We're drifting into largely uncharted legal waters here, at least as far as luxury items made from dead celebrities go. So while the fun question here is, hey, which Oscar winner would you wear as a pair of slacks, the more pressing issue is who owns your genetic information and how much privacy can you expect concerning all the scraps of discarded hair and skin you leave in your weight each day.
4: And that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe now for more of the latest and strangest science news. And send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover. Plus, whatever cute animal video you're digging on today, I could use it. Shoot us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And to access thousands of other stories like these, check out our home planet, now.howstuffworks.com.
0: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kiwi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast